In late October, state lawmakers held a hearing on updating New York's bottle deposit laws, which govern what types of drinks have a deposit, how revenue from the program is spent, and redemption requirements. To discuss how the law might get updated in light of the recent hearing, we're joined by Assembly Environmental Conservation Committee Chair Deborah Glick, a Manhattan Democrat who co-chaired the recent inquiry. Welcome back to the show, Assemblymember. Thanks so much for having me. So for starters, broadly speaking, why is it time to update the state's laws governing bottle deposits and redemptions? I think there are two major reasons. One is that the nickel deposit was started in 1982, and it's clear that it is, in current terms, an insufficient inducement for people to actually take their bottles to be redeemed. That's the one very big issue. And two, since we've been working with the bottle deposit, a myriad of other products that should be included have come on the market. So we have a wider range of uh, bottles of all descriptions that should be part of the bottle bill, but are not because the legislation has not been updated. So it's about increasing the deposit, updating the range of products that should be subject to the deposit, and increasing the handling fee for redemption centers, which are very widely scattered throughout upstate New York, not as much in my district in Manhattan, but are important. And I think that there are other issues around ensuring a wider availability in some communities for reverse vending machines. Well, let's talk about that redemption process, because while this proposal would expand the number and types of beverages that could then be returned, we heard at the hearing that there are a lot of retailers who actually want to get out of the redemption business as they're they're mandated to be part of as part of the existing law. What is the correct response? Is it just vending machines? Are they the panacea? How do you think about this issue? Well, I think in some locations, uh, vending machines need to be part of the process, but they don't exist everywhere. And particularly in uh, smaller communities, they don't exist. And in communities like mine, where Real estate is at a premium. A rather large machine is not available in my local supermarket. It would make it easier for them, but they don't have the floor space. So I think that in many places, the redemption centers play an important role. The folks we heard from who were the convenience store folks, these are uh, frequently at a gas station, freestanding, small convenience store that has one or two fast food items. And they feel that they have a redemption center not that far away from them that would be better structured to actually handle the deposits than they are. And we don't have a problem with that. In fact, they can, in fact, do that. It's just that the distance in the existing statute is within a half mile, and they're asking for the possibility of 
diverting customers to a location that is close but not as close. Uh, I think they wanted a, a mile or a mile and a half. And in many instances, that could be easy for people, but for some people that might not be. So we don't have an answer on that, but we heard what they had to say, and all of this is open to discussion. There are also the redemption centers whose sole form of income is the processing of the cans and bottles they take in. And during your hearing, you heard some emotional testimony about the financial plight that they're in right now. Is there any appetite to visit their financial concerns as, say, a standalone bill immediately when you get to the Albany in January, or do you feel like these have to be taken up as a broad, comprehensive, holistic issue? Well, what we heard was that they wanted a special session, which is not up to the individual members of the legislature to initiate. That's number one. So the uh, special session of both houses is called by the governor. Well, Um, but you guys could, that's an extraordinary session. You guys could come back at, at the discretion of the Speaker and the Senate Majority Leader due to the weird ways that you guys don't really adjourn. They could. That is true. And I don't speak for the leadership in either house. We understand that it is, for many of them, quite important. Whether there would be an ability to actually provide for a standalone bill, considering the way in which the handling fee is currently structured, mm-hmm. without increasing the deposit. I'm not sure how that would work, but it's also possible that there might be on the part of the governor an ability to provide some emergency relief. Again, whether that is possible, but we've seen the governor be able to find resources in emergencies, so um, I'm not going to rule that out as a possibility. I I think that it's additionally uh, been hard on redemption centers because in many instances do work with the company that has reverse vending machines and they have had a computer hack issue that has made their scheduling and their payment out to centers dramatically upended. So there are a couple of factors involved in that, but I'm incredibly sympathetic to the fact that these folks have not had the appropriate increase in a very long time and their expenses have continued to rise. And I think that the reason we would want to increase the redemption is that we want these things returned. We don't want them in landfills. We don't want them uh, in recycling bins. Uh, That's not the appropriate way to handle these things. So I'm hopeful that we can move quickly at the beginning of the session. But as you know, there are no guarantees on that. But I'm, and I think my partner in the Senate is very well aware and very sensitive to these issues. Senator May has been pressing very hard. 
Well, before we move on, let me reintroduce you for listeners just joining us. This is the Capitol Press Room, and we're speaking with Assembly Environmental Conservation Committee Chair Deborah Glick, a Manhattan Democrat who recently uh, led a legislative hearing on updating the state's bottle deposit laws. So I was struck by a note that an environmental conservation officer made during the hearing where he said they anticipated there was more than $100 million a year of fraud in the system. Does that reflect your understanding of the prevalence of fraud? And then as a follow-up, is there something that you feel like can be done legislatively to ward off fraud? Well, I think there are different ways. We probed that a little bit there are different ways in which fraud occurs. The primary fraud that was being identified was the organized transshipment of material from a different state with no deposit or a lower deposit to our state and therefore receiving back um, a full deposit from New York. So that that was, I think, the primary focus of that testimony. Uh, and there was a case, um, a major case, I think it was out in California, of literally millions of dollars of uh, fraudulent transshipment of material from one state to another. That's a classic uh, Seinfeld episode, too. <laughs> uh, so I've been told. Uh, the other issue seems to be um, internally whether or not everything that is being packaged at a redemption center and being sent back to a distributor, if all of that material has been accurately accounted for or whether or not there is in fact material in there that is not appropriate for the distributor to return a deposit that has been paid out by a redemption center. We're still looking at whether there is the possibility, and there may be some legal issues with this, as well as expense issues, with a state-specific UPC code, Mm -hmm. eliminating the fraud, certainly from other states. But that isn't currently in the bill. There were some other issues with that. There are steps to be taken. There is the notion that we can put in place, and this is in the bill, guidelines created by the Department of Environmental Conservation for picking up of containers, guidelines for protections for deposit slips that go to the consumer, and allowing for an audit by DEC and Tax and Finance to audit the reverse vending machines, which would ensure, again, that we are closing any gaps. So when it comes to returning cans and bottles, we heard from uh, Redemption Center about the state of the containers that sometimes they receive from consumers. And I have to give a shout out to my parents who do an excellent job of washing out there. So they're not part of the problem. But is there anything the state can do on that front to encourage or incentivize people to do a better job of returning clean 
cans and bottles? I don't really know that the state can get down to the level of what we can do to make certain that people behave more appropriately. We have that problem in recycling Mm -hmm. today, Uh, the contamination of some materials. Some people are very careful and very thorough and very committed to recycling in the most appropriate fashion, but that personal behavior is, uh, I, I don't know under what circumstances we could monitor that better. It's something, I guess, for us to think about, but I'm not certain what we look at. At the moment, uh, what we really want to do is get them out of recycling bins, and part of that is raising the deposit so people see that their time and energy is worthwhile to actually return the material, and it would also be a vehicle for providing economic relief to the redemption centers. So that's the focus. And I think we will hear from uh, more retailers as we include more product lines. Well, we're going to have to leave it there. We've been speaking with Assembly Environmental Conservation Committee Chair Deborah Glick. Assemblymember, thank you so much for making the time. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you. And for more Capital Press Room content, visit capitalpressroom.org or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. And if you listen to us from an Apple device, make sure to leave us a rating and a review so it helps other people find the show. Is your business, agency, or service interested in delivering your message to more than two dozen radio stations statewide carrying Capital Press Room? If so, visit CapitalPressRoom.org to contact our underwriting team. Join us again for Capital Press Room, a production of WCNY Connected, Syracuse.